Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, we've come to the end, if you will, and I don't think you guys would be surprised if I tell you up front what's happening in chapter 12 really is all about God's sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. In spite of present appearances, I want you to know that God is really in control. Now, when you think about that in your life, that brings us to a point where we really have to do some work. We really have to wrestle. When you think, when you look at circumstances in your life and you look at the trajectory of your life and you think this is where I should be, but this is where I'm not and, and I don't understand what's going on in the world today and I'm going to talk a little bit about AI and I'm going to talk a little bit of um, just what, what our current administration is doing in our lives. When you look at, at, at just trying to go from point A to point B and get the bills paid, you can see circumstantially you're like, oh, I don't know, does God have it all together? Is he really in control? Because like, I don't see it and it's really freaking me out. And so we need to understand that as we come to chapter 12, we have to, we have to, well, here's the wrestle. We have to solidify in our heart that God is in control. Now, it's easier said than that. God's in control. Amen. God's in control, bro. God's in control. But, but really, are we living that way? Because the actions speak so much louder than, than words. We can say, well, God's in control. I love you. Amen. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. God, are you really going to take care of? Because see, each one of us are going through, we just go through stuff. We really go through stuff that just, well, here's the enemy's idea. The enemy's idea is wants to, 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 um, create doubt in your mind of who God is and that he's actually in control of your life. That's his whole, that's his whole thing. If I can get you to doubt, then I get you to doubt, I can get you to trip, and if I get you to trip, oh, well, then, then, then you're out. You're out for the count. Does that mean I'm not saved, pastor? No, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means that he, that's his MO. He wants to get you to doubt. And so when we come to chapter 12, I want you to put on the mindset that it really is about God being in control. Now, let me remind you, if you're taking note, jot this down. Chapters 10, 11, and 12 form a single vision of the last days here on earth. Now, when I say last days, these are the days we're living in. These are the days we're living in. These are what's going to happen. And so 10, 11, and 12 have just formed this one. And, and what happens is Daniel, he, he's strengthened, if you recall, in chapter 10. Daniel has been doing something that I think we as believers miss from time to time. He's been fasting and praying, fasting and praying for three weeks. You see, Daniel took his walk very seriously. Well, pastor, are you saying that I'm not a real Christian if I don't fast? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think we've, we've come to the threshold in our lives when we have to take the things of God more seriously. And that might mean, that might mean some fasting. That, it was the most interesting thing in my life. Not that I fasted, but it was a fast, particularly on TV. You see, when Nathalie and I went on vacation, we didn't, I purposed not to turn on the TV at all. And I read a book, believe it or not, all the way through. See, cause I have a stack of books in my office that there's a little bit of, oh, can you just finish a book? I finished the book. And it was so relaxing to fast from what was happening 
on TV. Now, there's another little device, though, that sort of acts as like a TV that try to pull you in. We, we know what that is. I won't tell you that I fasted that. But, but remember, Daniel has been praying and fasting. He's taking his walk seriously. Now, let me give you a side note about fasting, okay? If you're going to fast food, not fast food. If you're going to fast, pause, food. If you're going to fast um, social media, if you're going to fast movies, if you're going to fast whatever it might be. I heard a quote specifically about food, but I want you to insert what you think might be there. The quote goes like this, Fasting breaks our enslavement to food and can ignite our hunger for God. So fasting breaks our enslavement to food, to social media, to sports, to whatever it might be, church, listen to me, and it breaks that enslavement. And what does it do? Well, it ignites a hunger for God. And I am, I am almost positive that everyone in this room says, Lord, stir up a hunger more for God. Stir up more, Lord. I want to draw closer to you in these last days. Lord, I want to, I want to, I want to feel your breath on my face like I feel that air conditioner come on. I just, I want to know that that's you. Because the world, church, has, has done an incredible job of drawing us away from the God we love. It does that through media, it does that through television, it does that through newspaper, it does that through all, all sorts of stuff. It sort of pulls us away. I heard a statistic the other day, and of course you know, they said all statistics are made-up statistics. But this was a statistic that said, by the time a child reaches high school, I mean, he's bombarded with so many sexual images that he doesn't, he doesn't know anything and, and, and any different than, than what he sees. And, and, and if you take a moment and, 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 and you see, it's, it's, it's everything that's coming at him sexually. Our children. They're just walking through life. Well, as a parent, I'm going to do my very best to make sure my little bambino doesn't. And then they go to school, and what happens? There's a kid and goes, oh, look what I saw. Mom and Dad saw this at home. And you're... Can we be real for a moment? Something changed the first time as a child. Something changed in my heart the first pornographic magazine I ever saw. Something changed. And the innocence is gone because that's exactly what the devil wants to do. We have to be so careful because they're bombarded with all of these coming in. All of, and, then, and, and so are you. So are you. Do you realize by the time you get to work, you've had so many ad, advertisements for stuff all day through through your if, if, if you if you'll just look at Facebook or if you'll just look here or on the radio, you're 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 being asked to buy and to hey try this and try this and try this. So I want fasting, whatever it might be, to break that enslavement. I want a hunger for God. Well, in chapter 10, if you recall, Daniel receives the vision, the prediction, and, and finds in the predictions in chapter 11. And here's with the prediction, and we wrote this. History provides a forensic evidence when it comes to biblical prophecy. 
History provides forensic evidence. In other words, for Daniel, it was future. For us, it's the past. So we have forensic evidence of what? That's biblical prophecy. That We see it. It happened. You see, Daniel talked about a fellow by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. And we look back and we go, oh yeah, he was part of history. It showed biblical prophecy. But Daniel didn't know anything about Antiochus. He was given the vision that this is what Antiochus Epiphanes was going to do. Now, what happens is he responds to the vision, to the biblical prophecy here in chapter 12. Now, as we finish up chapter 12, I want to make four observations from this chapter. Four observations. So if you're taking note, jot these down somewhere. These are observations we're going to pull out. Number one, you ready? Jot this down. We can expect tough times to continue. That's observation number one. We can expect tough times to continue. Let me remind you, and and it's funny because talking about Facebook, you'll often have a timeline come up, something that happened in the past. And for the most part, it'll be something with the church, and I'll have a picture of the church, and I'll say, ready for everybody, and I'll go back, and it's timeline 2020. Where, where the, pan, the pandemic hit and people were not coming back and, and we were on social media trying to say, hey, we're open, we're clean, we're sanitized, you won't get sick, I hope, you know, I mean, all of that stuff. And, uh, and, and so you have these timelines of, but what everybody wanted in 2020 were things to go back to normal what we considered normal in 2019, that we would be able to go to the grocery store without a mask, that we'd be able to buy, that we'd be able to congregate, that we'd be able to get on an airplane. We wanted everything to go back to normal. People had plans to travel out of the country and so forth and so forth and so forth. Well, the one thing that we can expect, according to Scripture, in these last days is that you can expect, ready? You can expect the tough times to continue. You need to jot that down. Well, Ben, why would I come to Wednesday night Bible study and you tell me all of these things? Because I want to prepare you and I want to make sure your foundation is solid. Number two, jot this down. Some people will be refined through the fire. Some people will be refined through the fire. Okay, we're going to look at that just a little bit. Now, again, refining is such an amazing process. It's such a remaining process. Do you know how gold or silver is refined? Do you know how it's refined? You guys, sure we do. Okay? What happens is that in the batch of, let's say, silver, you'll turn up the heat, and what happens in silver is all the impurities and the dross will rise to the top. And what he does is the, 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 the silversmith will scrape off all the impurities let it sit for a minute, and what does he do? He turns up the heat even hotter. When that silver gets up, guess what? All the impurities and the dross comes to the top, and he, he does that. He does that several times until he gets pure silver. Okay? You and I are the silver. We're walking with God. Our walks are with God. And so what happens is that some people in these last days will be refined through the fire. Not the fire of the tribulation. Not, oh, I have to go through that to be fine. No, no, no. I'm talking about trials and tribulations. 
I'm talking about that God loves you so much. He loves you and he wants such an amazing relationship with you that if he sees you going down the wrong path, he will send and, 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 and walk through some fire with you to refine you, to bring you back home. That's point number two. That's observation. Let me give you observation number three. Persevere because there will be a definite end to the trouble. Persevere because there's a definite end to the trouble. The observation we're going to see is that we are called to persevere, knowing that there's an end. There's an end. Let me give you number four. This is the fourth observation. Live now confident that in the end you will rise to receive your inheritance. Live confident now that you will, in the end, rise to receive your glorious inheritance. These are four observations in these 13 verses that we're going to pull out. So, we can summarize like this. Number one, expectance. Number two, refined. Number three, persevere. And number four, confidence. Let me say those again to you. Expectance, refined, persevere, and confidence. These are the four observations we'll grasp as we pull out from Daniel chapter 12. Now, you should be in Daniel chapter 12 in your Bibles. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read all 13 verses together, since there's only 13, and then we're going to come back and talk about each observation. So picking up our study tonight, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it says, At that time... Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time, and at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And as many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall sign like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there were two others, one on the river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, and he held up his right hand, and he held up his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, a times, and half a times. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things will be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up, sealed for a time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from that time, 
the daily sacrifices taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. Observation number one. You and I, as believers, in these last days, we can expect tough times to continue. What do you mean? Well, if you remember from um, three weeks ago, the dream suddenly fast-forwards from a description of the ancient kings to a description of the end. We went from Antiochus Epiphanes all the way up to the Antichrist. Now, before we go on, please labor with me for just a moment, because I've learned some pretty interesting facts about the spirit of Antichrist. As a matter of fact, from Daniel chapter 11, for example, 1136 says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He's talking about the Antichrist. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, speak blasphemies against the God of gods and shall prosper till the wealth has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. You go, Ben, what is the observation? Well, let's go back a little bit and let's just take a look. Okay, so we have moved from prophecy from the Antiochus Epiphanes to what we call the Antichrist. The Antichrist. And I heard something very interesting today on the radio about the rapture of the church. About the rapture of the church, it was very interesting today. It's one of those things that the Lord, one of those nuggets that the Lord gives you. And, and uh, there are three schools of thought when it comes to the rapture. Most, some School number one believes in a pre-tribulation rapture, that the Lord is going to take us out before the wrath comes in for seven years. The Antichrist is going to be revealed within those seven years. Now, if you're taking note or just put it in mental note, the, it's called the Great Tribulation. The last three and a half years is the Great Tribulation. So you have the Tribulation is is total of seven years, but the last three are the Great Tribulation. This is where God pours out his wrath in an unbelieving world. The fellow on the radio said something very interesting. He said that he had friends that would say to him, that they want to stick around during the tribulation and take on the Antichrist. Because they don't know what kind of Joe I am. He doesn't know who he's dealing with. And he goes, are you absurd? That's like you trying to stand in front of an F5 tornado and say, bring it on, I can take on this tornado. The Antichrist and all of the, all the demonic forces, they have the power to wipe you out. That's what's going to happen. The world is going, I mean, we're not talking millions, guys. We're talking billions are going to die during the tribulation. Billions. Billions. 
You see, our current administration, I heard a snippet, and, and they call it a gaffe, but our current administration said, oh, that we need to, there's a climate change in this, and when we get population under control, or we have population control, and, 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 and it was a gaffe that she said that, that we are to reduce population so our kids could have clean drinking water, and everybody's making a mockery of it, and of course it's like, I mean, so the news, anyway, here's the point. The point is, if you want population control, wait till the tribulation. Because billions are going to die. You're not going to take on the Antichrist. Notice it says, The great prince who stands over the people, and there shall be trouble, such as never since there was a nation, even in that time. And that time your people will be delivered. Everyone who's found in the book. He says, now listen, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, can I get an amen? amen, and some to everlasting shame. So what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, when you die, let's say the Lord tarries. Let's say the Lord ta- tarries. He's going to take another 5, 10, 15, 20. Whatever the Lord wants to do, we trust his sovereignty. When you die... The Bible says that you're going to be in the presence of the Lord, to be absent from the body in the presence of the Lord. And we go, hallelujah, amen, because I don't want to go anywhere else, but I want to go with Jesus. But do you see what it said here? It also said there's going to be a resurrection of the wicked. You see, when you die now and you don't know Jesus, you're going into a place called Hades. And that's going to be full and continue to be full until the Lord, till, till the thousand years is up, guys. So so you have now, you have the tribulation, and then you have a thousand years. If people die without knowing Jesus, and I don't know how they wouldn't know Jesus during the thousand-year millennial reign, I don't know, but, but, but listen, this is going to blow your mind. Okay, this is going to totally blow your mind. You and I, we're raptured. We go, yes, we get a glorified body, we come back with Jesus, and we're, we're, we're doing his will. But see, there are going to be some that make it through the tribulation. So for the thousand years, there's still going to be, check this out, there's still going to be funerals. There's still going to be people who, who, I mean, just normal, everyday driving car. I don't know how this is all going to work, but the world, although it's been crushed by the wrath of God, is still going to remain until the Lord gives us a new heaven and a new earth. You guys tracking with me? But think about what the world is going to look like. There's still going to be people. And I don't know what it's going to look like, with this wonderful forced righteousness to people who should give their lives to Jesus. But nonetheless, if during the, if none, I mean, hey, listen, at the end of the thousand years, Satan's going to be released and he's going to deceive nations, so I guess that's still a possibility. So think about it. If they died without knowing Jesus, even after they survived the whole, the whole tribulation, they're going to go to Hades. They're going to wait for their judgment. They're not going to be in heaven. They're not going to be part of any of this. So there's a resurrection of the righteous. It says it right here. And he says, and some are going to resurrect to everlasting contempt. Those who wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And so again, like the stars. Now, when it comes to the spirit of Antichrist, here's what we need to know. First and foremost, let me, let me back up just a minute. Because I believe there is a spirit of Antichrist right now in our country. You know that. The spirit. 
And so, but, but I don't want you and I to get caught up in going, well, let's look for the Antichrist. Who is he? Who do you think he is? I think he might be this dude. No, I think he might be, well, this dude has some, and I mean, there's, there's plenty who are starting to fit the bill, if you know what I mean. You're just like, oh, that could be him. I don't know. I don't know. But God says, don't, don't look for the Antichrist. Look for Jesus Christ. Because Second Thessalonians tells us that you and I as believers, we won't know. We won't recognize. Who, we're, we're not, we're, we won't know. He's not going to be revealed until after we're gone. Which drops a, a pin in some of the uh, mid-tribs, if you will, or even because if we're a post-tribulation mindset, then you and I would know who the Antichrist was seven years prior to us going home. Oh, that's him. But the word of God says we're not going to know. Not going to know. So, what about our country? What about what's going on in the world today? Well, it seems like we're fighting the spirit of Antichrist. Like, here's what it says about the Antichrist. You guys, jot this down. He shall do according to his own will. That's the Antichrist. But it seems like our leaders today, are exercising their own will. They're doing what they want to do. And here's what the sad part, with no regard to those who might get hurt. Exercising their own will. Let me give you a few examples of, of the spirit of... Just a, just a couple. Let's talk about this for just a moment. I don't know if you knew this. I mentioned this several weeks ago, but they have something called artificial intelligence. Now, there's an AI right now that's, that's wanting to rewrite the Bible. And it wants to take out all the stuff that makes us feel bad, like sin and repentance and all that. It wants to, it wants to give us a good, you know, Mary had a little lamb type of feel-good book. And that's like you going um, to the buffet and you're going, well, you know what, I really like buffets. I don't like this. No, I, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't like broccoli. But I like this and that. And, and so you and I in a buffet pick and choose. Well, that's what AI wants to do with the Bible. And then it wants to present it. Now, here's what you need to understand. I'm not a marketing specialist at all. I'm not, I'm not any of that. But I can see that if you constantly repeat something over and over and over and over and over to the people... However you do it, media, however you do it, you get that same message out. Like, like, tell me what comes to mind when I say uh, the climate crisis or climate control. Right away, your mind goes, yeah, I've heard that. I mean, that's all they're, that's all they're harping on. Okay? Now, I've lived in Lubbock for 20 years. Can I say this? Every July, it gets hot. Okay? No, no, no. No, I'm serious. Every July, it gets hot. Some, some summers are not as hot. 99, 98. Some are a little bit hotter. There was one summer here. I mean, we were drought. Every, didn't have any grass in the front or backyard. It was. That's not. That's not climate control. That's that's not climate crisis. That's just. That's this is where we are in July in Texas. There's a there's a popular um, news outlet. Um, that was talking about these. Now, now this, this is. I was just, I was just a few minutes earlier. I was just watching this. You know, I won't, I won't mention the, the, the network. I'll just kind of give you the initials. I think they're like CNN or something like that. I mean, there's. 
And they were talking about climate crisis. But guess 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 what cities they were they were targeting? Okay, Las Vegas, Nevada, 111. Anybody been to Las Vegas in July? Bakersfield, Death Valley. These are the ones they're showing on the screen. You're like, hello, Phoenix. I'm like, no, you didn't show anything in Wyoming, did you? Because it's not 115 in Wyoming. All of the ones they showed, it was you're just insulting people's intelligence, saying, oh, yeah, well, it's definitely hot. It's definitely hot in Phoenix. Well, it's always been hot in Phoenix. If you want it hotter, go to Tucson. Anybody been to Vegas in the, in the summer? Oh, yeah, it's hot. And it's like that oven, right? You walk out, it's like... Poof. So... So again, think about this. The spirit of Antichrist, the AI wanting to rewrite the Bible. But let me give you another one. Our current president was the first one to admit God in the National Day of Prayer. Out of all the presidents on National Day of Prayer in 2021, our current president said, no, I'm not going to mention God. Now, this is coming from a good old Catholic, so I don't understand why, but what I'm telling you right now is the spirit of Antichrist has got a grip on our country. Of course, you, you know this. It was one of Target's designers who claimed Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. He is merely used as a symbol of passion, pride, and liberty. He means to you what you need him to mean. So for me, he writes, Satan is hope, compassion, equality, and love. Where in the world did we get off? I mean, listen, you don't have to love my Jesus. But that's silly. That's the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist. As I was preparing for my study church, here's what was going on. I was saying, we have to get serious about our walks with God. We have to make sure our foundation is solid. We we can't be, he's wanting to sway us away. He's wanting to sway us away, and and, and he wants to put us to sleep. Oh, that stuff's not going to happen. Don't worry. It's been happening. Well, do you know what? There's a lot of tension in the Middle East. Oh, there's always been tension in the Middle East. There's always been. Yes, but you don't understand. It's... I'm telling you, I'm telling you. There are people, again, who are going after. Do you remember what Donald Trump said? He said, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm in the way. Well, I saw, I saw a meme today of a little kid, a little kid that says, they're not coming after you. They're coming after me. I'm, you're just in the way. And he was talking about adults. And isn't that the truth? Church, listen, they're targeting, the spirit of Antichrist is targeting our children. They're targeting our children. I'm sorry, but as parents, we have to do better in the word of God or they'll be swept away. We have to do better. We have to watch what goes in their eye gate, in their ear gate. We have to protect their little hearts. We have to take the time in VBS to put into them the word of God. We have to build up their foundation. We have to lovingly, because they're going after our kids. 
You go, well, what else happens? What else is the Antichrist? Well, I, I was thinking about this, Zechariah 14 and 2. You can jot this down somewhere. He says, I'm going to gather the nations in Jerusalem to fight against it. This is a prophecy. The city will be captured and the houses ransacked and the women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. Now, I want you to think about this today. Israel right now has very few allies. Very few allies. In a recent conference on racism south of Africa, the Israeli and United States delegates were forced to walk out as other participating nations vented their anger towards Israel and tried to declare it a racist state. Well, the Bible says one day it predicts that Israel will have no friends, no allies. And all the nations shall be gathered against her. And we see that's actually happening right now. Right now. You see, several years ago, the United States was a strong ally to Israel. And today, we're not. If you want to know if the Lord Jesus is coming back soon, find out if Israel has any friends. If they have no friends, you know that the time is very, very short. Do you guys remember several years back? I'm not even sure which war. This is coming off the top of my head. But um, another nation would attack Israel or, or some other, and they'd attack Israel, and then we would be pulled into that. We'd have to come and help to the aid. The United States would quickly respond. And I remember going, it's not even our war, but we were friends with Israel. And, and that's like that's like... Um, that's like me having a beef with with Adam, and and I'm going to go fight Adam, but I actually, but I'm going to actually punch RJ, and, and, right? And it's just like, well, no, your your fight is with Adam, but you, that's how they were doing it, and then the, and then the United States had to. Here's the point, guys. The point is, we're there. We're there. Even if the Lord in his sovereignty gives us another five or ten or fifteen years, we're still there. We're still there. But let's 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 take the return of Jesus off the board tonight for just a second. Let's say his sovereignty is a hundred years. Not a one of us in this room is going to live a hundred years. So we're eventually going to see the face of God. Now we know Jesus is coming back. Let me make that clear. He's coming back soon. But you and I may not have, may not see that. He may be, he may take us sooner. We don't know. We don't know. Let's look at verse 1 again. And at that time, Michael will stand up that great prince who stands and watches over the sons of your people. Notice what he says. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since, since there was a nation, even to that time, and that time of your people shall be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book. Now let me give you our, I want you to know our observation. And this is a good application for us. You ready? We can expect tough times to continue. Why? Put yourself in Daniel's sandals. Daniel thought after 70 years, I get to go back to Jerusalem. It's, it's here. It's happening. Everything's going to be okay. 
And then he hears this prophecy, and he says, no, wait, wait, what are you talking about? There's going to be a greater anguish, greater since the nations first came into existence. Can you imagine how his heart must have sank? Wait, I thought it was just 70 years. And I bet he was probably thinking in his mind, aren't things supposed to get better? Well, that's a great application for us, church. Listen, we can expect tough times to continue. We can expect terrorists to continue. We can expect the United States to continue to implode. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. The elections, 2024 is coming up. Well, we got this. You can expect tough times to continue. You can expect something in the near future called social credit. Social credit is not like your regular credit. Your regular credit is you pay your bills on time and your credit score goes up and it allows you to buy more stuff and so forth and so forth. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good thing if you're going to buy a house, have a good credit. But social credit is based on what you say and what you tweet and all the things that you're made up of. If you are someone who posts on Facebook Bible verses, if you're someone who, who talks about God, if you're out on the golf course and you're, and, and, and you're upset with the current administration or whatever you might think, or you might think, Pastor, listen, I would have, I would have gotten flagged social credit-wise, and you don't believe me, China's already implemented it. I would have got flagged so, so, by, by somewhat talking about the, the climate crisis that is not one. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I would have went out after church and I would have used my credit card, and they would have said, Mr. Martinez, your card has been declined. Your social credit has been, you must go back and either tweet or post, I'm so sorry, That's, there is a real deal, da, 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 just so I could buy some tacos after church. <laughs> you understand. You understand, in a global level, guys, you understand that that's what's happening to a lot of these huge companies that are going the way of woke and so forth. There's a social credit that allows them to get money for their companies if they have they meet certain criteria. And if they don't, then and, and a lot of them will stand up and say, hey, no, we're gonna we're gonna take this on or we've made enough money or we're selling our company, or a lot of them will go the way of Target, the way of Anheuser Busch, the way of whatever it might be, Nike, all of these things. It's the social credit. People don't know that. They just kind of go, I don't understand. Let me give it to you this way. We should not expect, you ready, that things are going to magically get better and somehow we'll wake up and it's going to be like it was. So my question, and I wrote this down, I wrote it for me, but I want to present it to you. You ready? If things are not going to get better and we're still going to have tough times continue, can I ask you this question? With all the love in my heart, what are you doing now to prepare for this? What are you doing now? What are you doing to grow your faith deeper and your foundation stronger? If you know tough times are going to come, man, I mean, I, I, I think of the silly, the silly childish um, books we used to read. I'll huff and puff and I'll blow your house down. It wasn't until it was made of brick that he couldn't, that the big bad wolf couldn't do that. Now you go, Ben, that's silly. It is silly, but the principle is true. 
If you and I as believers are solid and our foundation is solid and our walls are made with, 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 with these things that we're doing, guess what will happen? Man, it, it's, tough times will come, but listen, oof, we're going to stand strong. We're going to stand strong in the sovereignty of God because you know God. You know God. You just don't know about Him. You know Him. Let me give you point number two, and I've got to hurry. Some people will be refined through fire. Jump over to verse 10 with me, guys. It says, Many will be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. What's going on with this? Well, this is another prediction for what the future to Daniel, because this degree of purification is only possible after the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Listen. Ready? There are two types of people in the world. When, whenever something happens to them, they either get better or they get bitter. They either get better or they'll get bitter. Many are going to be refined in the fire. The refining is the trials of life, the sufferings, the things we've got to go through. Listen up, Christian, tune in. The trials are going to refine you, and it's going to scrape off the dross in the impurities, the junk in our lives, so that we can be stronger. Dare I say, we've gotten soft in the fact that when suffering comes, I want it done. I, I don't like this. I don't. But maybe if I had a different mindset, a different perspective, and saying, God, what are you trying to do? What, what dross is in me that needs to come out? What, what needs to be scraped so that I can, so I can walk closer to you instead of looking at it like, why me? Oh, why me? <laughs> Lord, what are you doing in me? And maybe we don't ask why, but we simply say, Lord, use this so that I can grow closer to you. Use this. Many are going to become better, and many are going to become bitter. Notice what it says. It says, it says man, the wicked are still going to do wickedly. When, when trials come, they're going to get bitter. They're going to get awful. They're going to get wicked. They're going to be like, uh-uh, I'm done. I'm done. Most specifically, we would say that this prediction has a lot to do with end times, when the wickedness will abound more than ever, kind of like in the Antichrist and his government, but an innumerable multitude will also be saved. Will also be saved. But the good news is that tough times, the opposition, the persecution, the metal strains, the addictions, the trouble in the world, well, it's going to bring out the best in many of us. We really should adopt that adage, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Not that we're looking for trouble, okay? Hey, I'm going to go looking for trouble so, so, I, can, uh, so I can have this self-improvement. That's not what we're talking about. But through trials and tribulations, you and I grow smarter and wiser through, through the tough times than we do through the easy times. See, we made a mistake. We made a mistake. 
You see, our grandpas had it really hard. Our great-grandpas had it really hard. They wanted their sons to have it a little bit easier, and they had it hard, and so forth. And, and, and so we, we're in a generation now where we go, oh, we want our kids to have it really easy. But that's really not doing them any good. And what will happen is they'll get too easy that it'll have to get hard again, and we start to cycle over if the Lord tarries. You understand that? Sounds like a parenting class, but we need to teach our kids, our grandkids, they need responsibility. They need to know some hard times. They, you know, I mean, I'm guilty of this with my grandkids. Oh, whatever you want, you know, I'm, I love you, and, but, but I've got to teach them, we've got to teach them responsibility. Hard work never hurt anybody. And yet, that seems to be lacking in our youth today. Hard work. A little bit of, little bit of sweat. Oh, that's too hot. It's too hot. I need a mental day. You know what would happen when I was working as a dishwasher and I take a mental day? I would be mentally fired out that door. I mean, you come to work at this time or you better have a good excuse. And I didn't just not show up. I digress. Let's go to number three. We need to persevere. Why? Because there will be a definite end to the trouble. Look at verse 11 and 12. And from that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. You go, bull, what, did, what happened? Well, this was an amazing specific prophecy. Daniel said that from the time of the abomination of desolation, you can mark off your calendar to the final consummation of things. He said 1,290 days. That's three and one half years. Everybody with me? You go, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a matter of fact. That's why Jesus pointed to Daniel's prophecy in the abomination of desolation as a sign that would mark what happened, the immediacy of his return. He says, man, once you see the abomination of desolation, you've got three and a half years before Jesus comes, the second coming. Not the rapture, the second coming, where he steps down. You could mark it off on your calendar. He's giving us specific, he's giving people, mostly the Jews, a specific timeline to when he's coming back. He said in Matthew chapter 24, 15, says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken by the prophet by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. The Antichrist, you and I won't be here. We're going to be eating filet mignon up in heaven, having a great time, the marriage supper of the Lamb. But the Antichrist right here, after three and a half years, he's going to step in to the third temple that's, being, that's going to be built soon. He's going to offer a pig on the altar. It's the abomination that brings desolation. And then you can start the prophetic time clock till when Jesus is coming back. 1,290 days. But look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Blessed he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Now, here's where it gets a little difficult. It's difficult to say that what relationship between the three and a half years mentioned in many places and now the 1,335 days mentioned here. 
we could probably say something like this. At the end of 1,260 days, Jesus returns, and at the end of 1,290 days, Jesus' government officially installed, and at the end of 1,335, the nations are judged. So you can look at it this so forth. Daniel gets very specific on some extra days here. You go, Ben, what does it mean? I cannot tell you specifically what that means or how this is going to play out. But I do know this. In expositional constancy, if you see 1,200, that's, that's exactly what it means, three and a half years. But you realize that there are some days in between before what God wants to do. Like, he's not going to, like... He's going to come back, we come back with him, and all of a sudden, within that day, he's going to establish his government and all so forth and so forth. And I mean, God moves fast, but he's still dealing with us. The point is, there are only so many days of trouble. And when the end comes, it's over. Therefore, he tells us, persevere, persevere, hang in there, guys. For you and I today, our hope is one day we'll hear the trumpet sound. The shout of Jesus will be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Let me just, let me just give it to you, just, just so you can have. You've probably read it a thousand times, but let's read it again. 1 Thessalonians 4, it's going to be up on the screen, 13 through 18. Paul writes, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe, there it is, that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Hang in there. Persevere. Let me give you the last one. Live confident in that the end you will rise to your inheritance. The underlying message in Daniel verses 9 to 13, kind of like a charge, like, like the end of a worship service, except it's at the end of all these visions. Look at verse 9. Then, and he said, go your way, Daniel, for your words are closed up and sealed for the time of the end. Look at verse 13. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and arise in your inheritance to the end of days. What is he saying? Daniel, see, Daniel's mind, think about this, was probably filled with all of these exciting and prophetic thoughts. Perhaps it was easy for those things to become a distraction instead of blessing him. So the angel concluded with an important reminder. Dan, 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 go your way. Wait till the end. God is sovereign. So you see, he wanted Daniel to complete, and Daniel needed to remain focused on that. It was commentary, um, Adam Clark, who draws the following points from these verses. He says, every man has his way to go. Every man has an end. There is rest provided for the people of God, 
and an inheritance for the people of God. Let's close our study and let's close out this book with this. Do you guys remember at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus told Peter about his destiny to die as a martyr for Jesus? And Peter wanted to know about John's destiny. Do you remember? He's like, hey, what about that guy? And uh, he asked, what about John? Essentially, Jesus replied, hey, it's none of your business. You follow me. In the same way, Daniel was not to spend all of his time and energy speculating and worrying about things that he couldn't know. Instead, he should simply obey the word to go your way till the end, something you and I must all do. In the book of Daniel, we learned a lot about prophecy. We learned a lot about Daniel. We actually looked right into our future. I want you to go with me very quickly a hundred years back. A hundred years. That would be 1923. You go, what was that? First and foremost, Israel was not a nation. It was not a nation. It was prophesied it was going to become a nation, but in 1923, it wasn't. In 1923, there was no technology like today. Someone mentioned to me, can you imagine your grandparents didn't even have a phone on the wall? We grew up with a phone on the wall with a cord. They grew up without a phone. They had no, there was no texting. There was, they, 1923, there was no technology. In 1923, I want you to think about this spiritually, there was a greater chance of you dying than seeing the coming of the Lord. You go, why? Prophetically, Israel wasn't a nation. So, so, so preachers would get up and go, one day, maybe tomorrow, Israel will become a nation, but I don't see it. And uh, you're all, we're all going to die. And they did. For the most part, think about this. I don't think there's anyone I know that's 100 years old. So, my dad, my mom, my uncles, my aunts, they all. But let's fast forward to today. In 1948, prophecy was fulfilled. Israel did something that no other nation did. It became a nation again. And the way, if you ever get a chance, look at it on YouTube, the way it happened was so God, within minutes of becoming a nation, It's amazing. Today, we have the technology to implement any mark, any name, or any number. We have the technology right now that a simple chip in your right hand or your forehead can buy you anything at the grocery store you don't even need. You don't even need cash or card or anything. You guys know where you've gone to the grocery store where you can just hit your little, you just tap it. You just tap the credit card, the chip. That happened to me probably, I never liked, I mean, that's, I usually like to swipe or whatever, but it was like tap, and I was like, tap? Sale approved. I was like, what? You know, you're like, "Who, (laughs) who knows about this? But we have the technology. You guys know that. We're so far advanced and we're making greater advancements every day. 
And now we have artificial intelligence that can turn a world away from God. I didn't read the article. I probably should have, but one of my pastor friends sent me that they had their first AI Bible study. I didn't read the article. I didn't see it, but I'm just like, ah. And then let me share this honestly. Honestly, we're so close to the return of Jesus. We're so close. You go, Ben, what should we do? Guys, continue to build a strong foundation. We must put away those things, put away those things. We must kill those things that are drawing us away from God. We're so we're that close. Well, you know, pastors have been saying that for years. We're close to the return. Listen, we're that close. We're that close. I'm telling you straight from my heart. Build the foundation in the Word of God. Build your spiritual strength. Strengthen that inner man that's in you. Because we're that close. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for prophetically giving us some great insight into your word. Father, I, I don't take joy in knowing that tough times are going to continue. I honestly wish that things would get better. Father, I pray and pray and pray that food prices would go down and gas prices would go down and, and cost of living would go down, but Lord you know that things have got to get worse. Father, I pray for every one of us tonight, Lord, that, um, that we go through times of suffering. May they, may they refine us. May we look at them with a different mindset. May we see them through your eyes. Father, help us to persevere in these tough times, Lord. We know that this isn't always going to be. But Lord, instead of getting angry, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice, Lord, in the fact that, yes, it's not going to last forever. And Lord... Lord, help us, Lord, to live confident that one day we get to spend eternity with you. Father, Paul tells us in Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that's what we should do. For me to live, Lord, it's all about you. And if I die, I win. And so, Lord, may you be glorified in our lives and in our hearts. And thank you for the book of Daniel. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. 
You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.